Again, from the prophet Isaiah, hear the word of the living God. We find it in Isaiah 48, verses 12 to 22. Listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, and I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Assemble, all of you, and listen. Who among you has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He shall perform his purpose on Babylon, and his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken and called him. I have brought him, and he will prosper in his way. Draw near to me. Hear this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his Spirit. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand and your descendants like its grains. Their name would have never be cut off or destroyed from before me. Go out from Babylon, flee from Chaldea. Declare this with a shout of joy. Proclaim it. Send it out to the end of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made water flow for them from the rock. He split the rock and the water gushed out. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Great uh, blessing, I think, to learn of the majesty of the promises of God to us as his people. They are of uh, staggering proportion, uh, not only in heaven in terms of uh, the absolute change of uh, our physical natures, but also on this earth and the provision of God uh, for our spiritual needs. But the promises of God are not without uh, spiritual duties. We have a duty to God in light of all that he is and will be to us. And in very characteristic manner, we learn from Scripture that duties are always followed by the provisions of grace. That's really our text this morning. Uh, we learn of the promises of God, verses 12 to 16, in the appointment of a deliverer from bondage in Babylon, uh, and yet those uh, blessings of deliverance are conditioned uh, to perseverance, verses 17 to 19, and then uh, what follows, of course, most beautifully, uh, the duty of perseverance is the provision for perseverance in verses 20 to 22. As you may not know, uh, in terms of the structure of the prophecy of Isaiah, this section concludes uh, the first uh, major section that we began studying uh, with chapter 40 and verse 1. Uh, it is uh, most oftentimes referred to as a book of consolation. 
uh, for their captivity. Uh, and that God will set them free from a bondage. And he re reaffirms that promise throughout uh, this section, again, beginning in chapter 40, verse 1. Uh, for us, it's a good reminder that uh, the promises anticipate uh, uh, the coming of Christ. That's why when we began our study, we looked at uh, John the Baptist uh, quoting Isaiah chapter 40 uh, in preparation for the coming of Christ. Uh, so the entire section for us as we read through it is much greater than being set free from Babylonian captivity. It's being set free from sin, the bondage of this life that has so uh, enslaved uh, countless millions uh, in the created order. We have a sin problem, and yet Christ sets us free from that bondage. Uh, but he also uh, begins the new creation. Uh, the redemption from bondage is captured in creation language that God can create again, again, ultimately for us, fulfilled in Christ. Uh, the new creation in Christ has begun and started. And lastly, of course, uh, the Exodus language uh, is picked up again. Uh, leaving Babylon, they will begin a new Exodus, returning home. For us, again, anticipates the last great Exodus to heaven. It frames our gospel that we are set free, that God uh, leads us and guides us and will see us to our eternal home. Well, again, the reminder, recapitulating the promise of a coming deliverer, verses 12 to 16. Here, in these verses, God reaffirms his choice of the deliverer. Uh, for us, it's a reminder that he reaffirms for us throughout the scriptures his choice of Christ, our deliverer. Uh, begins with a summons, listener here. Uh, great reminder, listen to me, O Jacob. Constant reminder for the people of God to listen to God in Scripture. We listen to God in Scripture. Uh, the explicit content is, I am He, I am the first, and I am also the last. So here God is once again identifying himself as the sole, unique, and exclusive deity. There is no other but this God, our God, the God of Scripture. In other words, they're to stop listening to idols and false gods and false religion. It's one of the great compelling urgencies of our time. Christians in wrong places of worship, sometimes engaging in idolatry, they are to listen to God and follow Scripture. Uh, the text, uh, I am He, is an allusion, I believe, to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. God is calling Moses. Moses says, well, <laughs> when I go to Israel, uh, who should I say is sending me? And how does God answer? I am the eternal, self-existent God who is timeless in His perfections and beauty and majesty. Tell them, Moses, I am who I am, and that I am has sent. I think all of the I am declarations of Christ in the New Testament repair through Isaiah landing upon the majesty of God, revealing himself to Moses, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. And for us, it's a wonderful reminder that you and I are engaged in the last exodus to our eternal home, marching, if you will, to heavenly glory moving continually forward. 
in the scripture, of course, bidding us to listen to God, lest we get caught in some cul-de-sac in life, complaining against God and being disobedient to him. The merism, first and last, of course, speaks to his sovereignty, as you know, over everything. God is first, he's last, but he's everything in between, every point in between. God's sovereign over everything. His decrees encompass everything. Nothing left out. No mistakes. No mulligans. Our God is the one true everlasting God of all of life. Of course, taught that in Scripture because our God is first and last. It's essential, by the way, I, I say in terms of uh, my own repetition from the prophet, that we understand that these are also the words of Christ. Uh, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 13. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. First and last letters of the Greek alphabet, but he's every letter in between. His sovereignty encompassing everything. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Encompassing all of the majestic glory of the one triune God, God the Son. God the Son. Isaiah further explains that God is the sole creator, meaning that he can recreate the nation out of captivity. Again, Isaiah chapter 48, verse 13. Surely my hand founded the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens when I called to them. They stand together. I read a couple weekends ago in the Daily Oklahoman about a stargazing club that goes to western Oklahoma because it's evidently one of the premier places to look at the stars and the constellations. How could you gaze at the heavens and the majesty and not see the greatness of God? That God created the earth. But what does that mean for us? Well, he creates the church. He creates the conditions of the last exodus. And he watches over his people and keeps them, preserves them. Again, this theology is fulfilled in Jesus. Let's turn, if you would, in your New Testament to uh, John uh, uh, chapter 1 and verse 3. Had some Jehovah's Witnesses knock on my door the other day. They shouldn't have, but they did. Shouldn't have because of city ordinances. I didn't mean that as a, a vain acknowledgement. Uh, city ordinances forbid such uh, where I live. But uh, anyway, it's okay. Uh, so they believed that Jesus was a created being. They became God, but he was a created being. Let's look at what John says. What Jesus says about himself, John chapter 1 and verse 3, all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. Jesus is no created being. He is the creator. He creates life of the church, creates the church in his sovereign election, dispatches his spirit to preserve and to keep his people. It's also the language of the Apostle Paul, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. For in him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him, the majesty of the Son of God. God speaking of the majesty of the Son, uh, of himself. In the creation... Uh, Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 13 stands as a witness 
to the majesty of God. Uh, so does the scripture. That God is sovereign. He sets us free. And all of the events of life sometimes uh, knock on our door and we wish they would go away. But God is sovereign even over those events. Keep and preserve his people. That We live in a fallen universe and bad things even happen to Christians. But God is sovereign. He will see us through it. He will keep us in the midst of it because he preserves his own. How can God do that? Because he creates conditions for life and for well-being in his church. The summons to listen to me is repeated two other times in this text, 48, Isaiah. Uh, 48, 14, assemble all of you and listen. Again in verse 16, come near and listen to me. One of the problems in our technological advancements is we, we listen a great deal to other sources. Uh, I, like you, I drive around my neighborhood and everyone seemingly in my neighborhood, when they're walking, they're always plugged into something. Do we ever have time to hear the word of the Lord, to meditate upon the word of the Lord without being plugged into, again, nothing wrong with being plugged into whatever, listening to whatever. But first and foremost, in terms of priority, is to listen to the word of the Lord. Because our hearts are prone to wander, and the word of God is a boundary, it's a hedge, it protects, it keeps, it reminds us that our God is the sole universal king, and he rules over everything. Now, the content of recapitulation of the promised deliverer is Cyrus. Uh, to divine choice. He's going to raise up a pagan ruler to set Israel free from the bondage of Babylon. A pagan Gentile. Isaiah listened to their complaints. What, you know, wh wh why can't we have another David? Why, why can't we have someone other than a pagan uh, king to set us free? They were not happy with God's choice, but it is God's choice. I suspect there are times in life you're not very happy with God's choices either. Uh, it's okay to complain sometimes. The Psalms sometimes are complaints of the people of God. And sometimes there's a lot to complain about. But at some point, we check our language because God is sovereign. And we know his will is good for his people, will advance his glory as he deems his own choices to advance his glory in his kingdom. By the way, the nation of Israel was not happy with the choice of Jesus in the days of Jesus. They were very unhappy with Jesus. But the choice is divine. It's God's choice to elect and to choose the agent of deliverance. They didn't like Cyrus. They didn't like Jesus. But as the church, we should be most happy with Jesus because of all that he is and has done for us in his death and resurrection. Acts chapter, pardon me, Isaiah chapter 48, and verse 15. I, even I have spoken, indeed I have called him, I have brought him, and he will make his way successful. The reason Cyrus was successful in his invasion of Babylon and conquering one of the mightiest nations of the day is because God made him successful. Good reminder, you and I on occasion experience some successes in life. Thank God. It's his choice, his work.
His divine will. By the way, Jesus was successful because God made him so and because the Son of God successed in and of himself. He accomplishes everything that the Father gave him to do. Majesty of God. We see a measure of this, the majesty of Christ. The book of Hebrews, uh, chapter uh, 1, verses 2 and 3, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, to whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he had made purification of sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The majesty of Christ, the success of Christ, uh, because of the infinite dignity of his person. I love the phrase, upholding all things by the word of his power. The majesty of the Son of God, upholding the church, keeping it and preserving it. Again, every deliverer save him is false, and absent him there is no salvation. Christ is the creator of salvation. Uh, But again, as uh, I mentioned in my introduction, the promise uh, of of the deliverer has a duty of exclusive, exclusive loyalty. It's important to Israel because they've been engaging in idolatry. They're the one true God, but they're out worshiping idols following false gods. Interesting that we, uh, we read an uh, illustration of that in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 2 and verse 1. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Get away from the word of God, you're going to set yourself adrift, and the tide of the world will carry you away. careful of drift, be careful of giving short shrift to the Word of God. Uh, Church in the book of Hebrews is drifting, it's in danger, because they have not paid attention to the Word of the Lord. So God has chosen a deliverer. Uh, In his choice of a deliverer, there is a promise of great blessing. Uh, That's what we have in verses 17 to 19. Again, it's a reaffirmation recapitulation, if you will, of promises that we have already read and studied. It begins to promise, verse 17, with self-identification. God promises. Well, who is God? The majestic, the one true, the only God, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God. That's that's who uh, we worship and serve. Uh, Two unique, very unique identifiers here. First, verse 17, He is the one who teaching you to profit. Love those words. In American business, we have a profit motive. Uh, But as Christians, we have a spiritual uh, profit that we find in God and God alone. There's no profit anywhere else save the Lord of glory, the God of Scripture. Uh, You cannot rely on anyone but Him. Uh, we've read this word prophet earlier, Isaiah chapter 44, in the ninth verse. Those who fashion a graven image are all of them futile, and their precious things are of no profit. Uh, idolatry is epidemic in our culture, will not profit. 
no profit whatsoever. They will all fail. They will be of no account. Uh, you will find your life at a dead end and a tragic end. There's only spiritual profit in the Lord of glory, the God of heaven. Uh, one of Isaiah's colleagues, uh, certainly in terms of prophetic literature, uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, uh, in the 11th verse. Another use of this important word. Has a nation changed gods? When they were not gods, for my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Following false gods and false teaching is of no profit whatsoever. Second, he is the one leading you in the way. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. I am the Lord your God who leads you in the way you should go. The great tract that leads uh, back to Israel from Babylon. Out of Babylon to freedom and glory. For us, the great tract of heaven. Uh, the way. Very interesting, this term way is uh, picked up by uh, New Testament author Luke uh, in the gospel that bears his name. Uh, pardon me, the book of Acts, his history, uh, early church. Uh, Acts uh, chapter 9, the second verse. There was a way for the children of Israel. There's a way uh, for the children of the church. We read that in Acts chapter 9. It's a historical account of uh, the Apostle Paul. In this case, in Acts, it's Saul. Acts chapter 9, verse 2, and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, that is a description of the church, you and I are on the way. We belong to the way, the way of God, the way to heaven. And never forget that. Reminder, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Grace has seen us safe thus far, and grace will see us all along the way until we breach the doors of heavenly glory. The way, one way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. He is the way. Again, Acts chapter 16, uh, the Apostle Paul recounting uh, his his own deliverance. Uh, verse 17, 16th chapter, Acts. Following up to Paul and us, and she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. I might add in Jesus Christ, no other way. There's no other highway to heaven. No other river to get there but him. We are rapidly advancing in American culture as high as the RPMs to go to manifold darkness. We need to remember as the church of Jesus Christ that he is the way and to stay close to him and walk in his way. Now, the content of the way in Isaiah chapter 48 is an if-then statement. Uh, 
verse 18, we have the if portion. If only you had paid attention to my commandments. If only you had paid attention to my commandments. We wander from the Scriptures. Be careful of drift. Pay attention to the Word of the Lord. Look at the then statement. Then your well-being would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea and your descendants like the sand of the seashore. That's, that's the duty of perseverance. Uh, we have the promises, but we're to persevere in a duty of exclusive, total loyalty to the one true God. Again, I, I, I love these, the promise that's in a way contained in this if-then statement. Peace like a river. We don't have a lot of great rivers in Oklahoma. Maybe we do, and I just haven't found them yet, but I don't think there are any great. I know there's rivers, but like the mighty Missouri, the Mississippi. Imagine sitting on the banks. You think you could count the number of gallons that flow by you in a second? Incredible, the staggering gallons running down a river. We get that river in Christ, peace. Peace, peace with God. Our world is upset about everything. We have peace with God. I, I love the, the corresponding parallel phrase, righteousness like waves. We don't have a lot of waves in Oklahoma, but I suspect some of you have been to the seashore. Just a constant, unrelenting Waves hitting the beach, unending. They cannot stop. You can stand on the balcony of your great hotel and say, stop, and they don't stop. They keep coming. We get peace like waves breaking on the seashore because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The similes speak to abundance and constancy that will never run out. The majesty of God giving us peace. Our world pursues it in all the wrong ways, but we have it. We have it uh, through Christ. Uh, again, uh, Gospel of John, uh, chapter 14, 27th verse. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Therefore, let not your heart be troubled, let it be fearful. That had a lot to be troubled over, a lot to be afraid over. But they had, of course, the ultimate solution in the peace of God in Jesus Christ. There's a lot to worry about, but we don't have to worry about that God is angry with us because of the Son. That is something to reckon. I don't know if, I suspect most of you are like me. People get mad at me all the time. Family gets mad. Siblings get mad. I'm so glad. In Christ, God is not angry. Only thing that matters, we have peace. John chapter 16, verse 30, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. We get it like the waves of the ocean, like the majestic rivers of the United States of America, coming, unrelenting, utterly constant, never stopping. The world promises peace like a little drip. 
broken faucet. It's chump change. It's what the world chases, a little drip. We get rivers and oceans. Peace of God. The Apostle Paul writes, Romans chapter 5, a verse I'm sure all of you know. We've been justified through the Lord Jesus Christ and we have peace with God. Greatest peace treaty of all times. Jesus Christ. Second, your descendants would be like the sand and their names never cut off from my presence. If you had obeyed, persevered, being faithful, put your idols away and served me. It's a recapitulation, as you know, of the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, Abraham goes to offer his son and God stops him. And then God reminds him of his covenant. Your descendants will be like the stars of the sky. Count them. You can't. And your descendants will be like sand on the beaches. Count it. You can't. You and I are the ultimate fulfillment of that. Uh, and, their, and their names won't be cut off. Uh, the names of the children of God purchased by Christ never be cut off. I remind you of a text that I've read on a couple of occasions uh, that the Abrahamic covenant essentially appoints to Christ. Uh, great controversy, of course, in our own age, but Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. It is not to his, and to seeds as referred to many, but rather to one and to your seed. That is Christ. We're, we're, we're heirs of the gospel of peace through Jesus Christ the fullness of, of the covenants breaking upon the Son of God. Uh, of course, in our case, the new covenant uh, secures uh, our attention. Over and over again, listen to me, hear me. The new covenant secures our unrelenting attention to the Word of the God and the greatness of the majesty of God changing our hearts. The new covenant accomplished by the shed blood of Christ. Again, the colleague, the prophet, Jeremiah, chapter 31, uh, verses 33 to 34. Great reminder that God places a duty upon us to persevere in loyalty, and then he enables us in the new covenant. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Numbered like the stars of the sky. And they shall not teach again each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sins. I will remember no more. Credible Provision of God in forgiveness. Our sins are forgotten. We have peace in Christ. Again, uh, uh, this text, by the way, fulfilled by Jesus, he comes. He says, uh, you're going to come to me and I will teach you in fulfillment of, of the new covenant. John chapter 6. You just have to kind of read it and weep it, but majesty of the provisions of God for his people. Writes his law in our hearts and teaches us. We're taught of God, the greatest teacher of all the world, God. He teaches his own to keep and to preserve us. So Christ secures our blessings. Uh, perseverance, and then it's a duty for his people, but God enables us through Christ as the church, but 
uh, we close with, again, another reminder of the provision uh, in the way of grace. Uh, the final two verses, 20 to 22. Uh, specifics of perseverance and provision for perseverance. And then finally, the text closes with a warning. Uh, perseverance engages a radical break from idols and false religion. Well, Isaiah commands them. Here again, here's the, the duty, if you will, uh, of perseverance in light of the promises of God. Uh, verse 20, Isaiah 40, Go forth from Babylon, free, flee from the Chaldeans. Uh, latter speaks to great urgency. By the way, this command, as you know, uh, is to the church of Christ uh, as well. Revelation chapter 18, another text that we've looked at previously, verse 4. An angel, a voice from heaven, says, Come out of her, my people. Come out of Babylon, spiritual Babylon, captivity, false gods, false religions, and all of its idols. Come out, leave it, forsake it, urgent. Get out of Babylon, spiritually speaking. And one of my favorite pieces of literature, perhaps one of the greatest in English literature, Pilgrim's Progress. He goes into Vanity Fair, the world, and all of its fake glory. Sparklers, if you will, that eventually go out. We have the brightness of the Son of God. Get out of Vanity Fair, spiritually speaking. Move on. Stay in the way. Keep moving. Keep going forward. God will lead you and see you to the end. Uh, departure here in Isaiah 40 is to be joyful because of the divine initiative of deliverance parallel to the song of Moses, Exodus 15. Uh, however, when someone tells you to move, that's, that's difficult. Oh, but Lord, I've got to pack up and move. I've got to change some things in my life. I've got to rearrange my schedule for you. I mean, that's tough stuff. Hard to do that. Uh, we are creatures of doing what we've been doing. Why should I change for you? Why should I get out of Babylon? Because it's a dangerous place. Why should I move from Vanity Fair? Because a place of incredible danger. And so God's going to provision them as He provisioned the children of Israel. In the wilderness wanderings, He provided for them food and drink. Uh, again, uh, Numbers chapter 20 and verse 11. Uh, Moses struck a rock. Water flowed out. And so here, provision for perseverance, provision for moving Isaiah chapter 48, verse 21, And they did not thirst when He led them through the desert. He made the water flow out of the rock for them. That God provides. So, well, Lord, I'm going to lose friends. God will provide. Lord, I may lose my job. God will provide. That's what God does. That's what He is. He provides for His people. means that God, again, will provide again in a new exodus and, of course, for our exodus, being faithful to God as a price, as a duty, duty of perseverance, but God provisions. One of my favorite texts, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, but my God shall supply 
all of your needs according to His riches and glory in Jesus Christ. The greatest vault of all of heaven, the glory of the Son of God, will provide for you in the midst of your struggles and your difficulties and your temptations when they come knocking upon your door. Stay in the way. Keep moving forward. God provisions His people. As you know, the Apostle Paul alludes to this text. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's very important context because the church is engaging in idolatry. Some of the members of the church belong to trade guilds. And trade guilds had their idols that were beseeched and sacrificed to that God would bless the trade guild. Paul says, you can't, you can't go and worship those idols. You can't go to those sacramental meals uh, in adoration of uh, the idol. Uh, and that, 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 that would be hard for a union member. Uh, every one of his uh, union colleagues would get angry with him uh, if he uh, wasn't true to the, to the God of the union. Uh, they would blame all the faults and all the lost jobs upon you because you weren't faithful to our God. Paul says you, can't, you cannot go to your union meetings and worship false gods. Again, I'm not belonged to a couple of unions in my life, but we didn't have false gods. If you're a union member, I'm not inveighing against you. But if you have a God that you're worshiping at, at that union, then uh, take heed to the words of the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, he's speaking of the children of Israel in the wilderness, and they ate the same spiritual food, and they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. That God met their uh, met their needs for water in a wilderness, and then he finds the greater fulfillment in Christ. He's telling them that God will provision you. Uh, he will meet your needs. He will care for you. The provision is Christ. And, and again, he's, he's warning them to stop their idolatry uh, because they're beginning to look like Israel that was an idolatrous nation. But here in Typological fulfillment, the rock uh, was a type of Christ. Uh, and his provision of a river obviates and obliterates the provisions of idols because ultimately idols are of no profit. Uh, again, Israel was sustained temporally in the wilderness by water, but in the last exodus, the church is sustained eternally in the spiritual provision of Christ. And I love the words of Gospel of John. If any man is thirsty, you come to me and drink. As the scriptures have said, from your innermost being will flow a river of living water, a reference to the Spirit of God. You, you need provision. You want a river. God, God gives it in the Son and the Spirit. Uh, and so 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14, Therefore, my beloved brethren, flee idolatry. It's the language, if you will, parallel Isaiah chapter 48 uh, closes, just as Paul closes his warning to the church uh, with a warning here, uh, the prophet Isaiah, he's going to tell them to get out of Babylon, that God will provision you in the way. Uh, notice, if you will, how the text concludes with a warning. Isaiah chapter 48, 
22nd verse, there is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. That there is no promise of deliverance when you're dancing with an idol, therefore no peace to the idolater, to the wicked. That, that God provisions you and he wants your exclusive allegiance and loyalty when it comes to spiritual matters. That there's but one true God and one Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't give your loyalty to any other God. And I know we do that sometimes in nickels and dimes. Uh, you don't need to read the astrological section of the daily newspaper. You know why? Because the stars don't govern your life. God does. Promise, again, has a, has a duty, has a provision. Uh, again, the text constitutes a warning. Sadly, uh, Many of uh, Isaiah's future countrymen would stay in Babylon. Oh, it's too difficult, too hard. I, I can't leave Babylon. I, and I, just, I just had a child. I just had this. I just, I just finished my home. I just remodeled. What, what do you want me to do, Isaiah? I mean, really, you want me to leave my remodeled home? It's always an issue. It's all the way life is. Stay in the way. Keep moving. God will provision you and keep you and preserve you. Don't play God false. Uh, it's no question that Paul warned the Corinthians. I suspect some of them stayed in their, in their uh, uh, trade unions and kept worshiping the false gods. Uh, come on, Paul. Man's got to work. Man's got to eat, doesn't he? Who's going to pay the bills? There's always a challenge to life. There's always a difficulty. God provisions and keeps and preserves his own. Peace like a river. Greatest promise of all of life. So they're enjoined to separate. You do that in America. Oh, come on, Pastor. I, I, I can't leave my church. All my friends are here. All my family's here. I mean, I know the theology's questionable. I know the morality is very troubling. But, I mean, really, really, Paul, you think I really should leave false teaching? Isn't it interesting that the author of First Epistle, John closes his text, flee idolatry, flee false teaching. Oh, but my family's there. Oh, but my traditions are there. Get out of Dodge, my friend. False teaching is not worth it. It'll corrode your soul, set you adrift. Get in the way, stay in the way, and God will provision you. That's the greatness of the provision of God. And the provision is the way and the promise and provision to separate, to leave Babylon, to leave false teaching, to leave your idols. They won't work. They'll trick you in the end. And you'll be left entirely wanting. Of course, the prophet is really telling us that our only and every hope is Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, the life. That God comes with a duty of loyalty to him he provisions us through the gift of the Spirit to stay loyal, to enable us in a river of incredible provision of the Spirit of God. Uh, you come and you believe and you hope in Him. Uh, you have peace uh, like a river. You're thirsty. He gives you a river in the Spirit, provisioning His church to, to leave Babylon, stay in the way, be faithful to Him, to hear His word, 
and to relish, bask every day in the riches of the grace of God in peace, peace like a river, waves crashing upon a seashore, provision of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift of all time. You know, not the Savior. May God give you no rest or peace until you come to Christ, who is the source of it all. God be gracious to move you, that you might move and flee to him and him alone. If you're here as a Christian, maybe you're troubled over the great battles of life. There certainly will come. If you're not, they'll knock on your door someday. Never forget, we have peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he will provision us all the way to heaven. And we will rejoice in him in the greatest gathering of all time recounting over and over again how God protected us, preserved us, and kept us, and our hearts were at peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. May God quicken our faith, be faithful uh, to him who was certainly faithful to us, who was loyal to us, and therefore may the Spirit of God move us, preserve us to be loyal to him, even Christ our Lord.